Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to continue on in our series in Family 101, and uh, we are going to uh, look at a couple other things today, some unique things that relate to our positions in families. You know, we all have families one way or the other, and, uh, and some titles are given, and some titles are chosen. So we all have certain kinds of titles that either we've, we've received them from others or, or that's something we chose. And each one comes with its own privileges and responsibilities, right? Uh, that includes those things. And here are some of those titles that we may hold in families. For, for a, a woman, it may, be, it may be mother or a sister or could be a cousin, of course, niece, uh, could be aunt, all those kind of things. And, and for a man, of course, it'd be the same, only the opposite. It'd be, it'd be son or husband or brother or uncle or nephew, all those kind of things. Those are, those are different, uh, di- different uh, titles that people hold in, in life. And, and our roles in families are important and interconnected. They're not quite the same. Uh, as, uh, as the title themselves, but the roles that we play uh, are still important. So we, we have the role of the child. That, that's a tough one, right? You say that, that, that can be a tough one, especially challenging, because we keep that one for the rest of our life. A lot of us don't think about it, but we keep that one. So the roles of dad and mom are more than just biological, and the Bible gives us a guide to how we're uh, we are to function in our roles and in, in the titles that we have in life. And those scripts, through Scripture, we can find those who made some relational mistakes. They kind of messed up. And then there are others who, who responded better, right? And we, we understand because we're all human, we all walk through some of those similar situations. So the first thing, we're going to look at about four things here today. And, and the first thing is live out those titles that you have received or those titles that you have chosen. And uh, in Proverbs chapter 31, we find these words here, 31 verse 15 and 16. The writer says this uh, of a wife of noble character and says this. He says, uh, she gets up while it is still night and she provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it out of her earnings uh, she plants a vineyard. And, and Proverbs says uh, a few verses before this as well, over in verse 10 and 11, it says, A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. And so, really, we, we see this situation here. He sets the bar pretty high, doesn't he? Uh, it's pretty high, and, uh, and here's the catch. You don't just wake up one morning. You wake up one morning and find that you're the perfect person. It doesn't matter what your title is or rule. You don't wake up one morning and say, you're the perfect aunt, or you're the perfect uncle, you're, you're the perfect uh, grandfather or grandmother. You know, it, it, no, it doesn't work that way. There's some things we have to learn and put into practice, Right? It really doesn't matter how what our age is, we're still learning and growing in different areas of our walk. 
And so we have to keep that in mind. And so just like the noble wife in Proverbs, you have to be willing to learn, to fail, to adjust, and then to become successful in living out your title. So it's not an easy process always, right? We, we have to be, be willing to take the chance to learn and then to fail and then pick up again. So if, you, if you've taken, uh, or I should say, if, you, if you've watched... Uh, uh, you've watched a guy in a 90s sitcom, uh, oh, what's uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor, if you've watched him, for some of us, we uh, probably watched a few of those, and that guy, he's an interesting guy, he's, he's got more bravado than anybody I know, uh, but, but, you know, he's always trying to fix things and make something more powerful and better, and he makes more mistakes than you've seen anybody. Uh, uh, but, but when you look at that guy, there's a, there's a situation that he walks into because his, uh, his wife is out shopping. And, uh, and so it, while she's out shopping, he gets a call that his, his wife, Jill, his wife's dad passes away. And so here's this macho guy, uh, and all of a sudden he realizes, I've got to do something. I've got to help. And he steps into taking care. And so he gets a hold and gets a plane fares figured out and all that kind of stuff so they can get to the family before she ever makes it home. And, and I think he's kind of shocked about his own self because he's like, I didn't know I had nurture inside of me. But, but it's like that, that's what happened for him. He kind of sees it. And, and so he, he just jumps in there and he tries to take control. He was living up to his title. He made a lot of mistakes. Just like a lot of us, we make mistakes. It doesn't matter, man or woman, we make mistakes and then we have to be able to grow and to move past that. Don't take on the titles you don't want when you don't have to. Something we should think about. Some titles we can choose. Other titles we, we are given. And those that we can choose, like husband or wife, need to be carefully and prayerfully evaluated before taking them on. And usually, aunt and uncle, it's not a choice, right? It's because the will of others, and, uh, and we receive that title. Uh, but titles are not job descriptions. That's something we have to kind of remember. They're not really job descriptions here, but a person holding a title can have different roles in distinctive situations. So we can take different roles. And I, like years ago when I sat down with people, they, a couple, they want to get married. Do we talk through roles a little bit? What, what are you thinking? And what are you thinking? And, and this person says, well, this is what my family did. This person says, well, this is what my family did. Okay, so now that you're, you're going to become one, what are you thinking? What are you guys thinking together? How are you going to work out your roles? And, and you know, a, a wife may start off as a primary caretaker in a family, but she has to get a job, and she takes on a secondary role as a caregiver. Those kind of things happen. Her, her title may be wife, but uh, because of the circumstances, her role is changed. Uh, this Proverbs 31 woman has to pass over some of her role of a, a family caregiver onto her husband and then possibly uh, even onto a grandparents as well. So you, you see several different things. Things shift. Time ch times change, right? Our lives change as, as families. So the second thing here is this. You, this, you, you hold the role of a child. Now, uh, for you, you know, we have to understand, we have to remember that we all hold the role of a child, and that's a, a role that we hold for life. We don't really think about it that way, but look at what Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 says. 
And uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is then the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. There's some things to say about that, right? And some of the things it says there, how we, how we treat those who are, are acting parents over us. How do we relate to them? And then uh, children should bring joy. You know, Proverbs chapter, four, uh, first, uh, chapter 10, verse 1 says, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Uh, and you could flip that around and say daughter in there as well. Uh, but I'm sure that there were uh, times our parents looked at us and said, what in the world are you doing? Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe you weren't that way. I don't know. But I know that there were times that my parents probably looked at me and said, what, in the, what, are, what were you thinking? Uh, they had just had to have done that at times. And, and for youth, as youth, you have to learn from those who are over you. And, and Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1 it kind of helps us, it says a wise son brings joy or a wise daughter brings joy. And consider what wise really means. Really, it's a person that learns from experience. We all have the opportunity to learn from experience. One way we learn is learn, learn from our own experience. We learn from our mistakes, right? And we have to adjust, make some adjustments there. But then we can learn from other people's mistakes as well and what happened with them and make adjustments in our lives because of what we saw there. So m most children want more freedom that they're ready, than they're ready for. It's, a, it's natural to want freedom, right? It's natural for all of us to want some kind of freedom. And even as adults, we want freedom, but, but we also have responsibility. And uh, everybody wants to become their own person, but they have to make sure they don't walk that path of rebellion because it's it's kind of a it's kind of a balancing point. In the book of Psalms, chapter sixty-eight, uh, verse six, in the New Living Translation, it says it this way: "It said, God places the lonely in families; He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy." But he makes the rebellious uh, live in a sun-scorched land. It's like we don't want to be in that place. We don't want to live in that place. But, but, but he brings us together. He gives us some promises, right? Uh, don't forget that even though, you're, though uh, freedom may become greater in your relationships, when it doesn't go your way, don't burn the bridge that connects to those who care for you. Each of us have to be able to learn that, not to burn bridges. Burning bridges really is it's hurtful, it's harmful, it, it can be destructive. And, and we have to use the life that we live to honor those who are over our care, right? And you may say, for, for most of us as adults, we're like, well, nobody's over my care. But yeah, but we still have to honor one another and those and and. and uh, we understand sometimes as uh, of those of us sandwich gener generation, you know, like people who still have kids in the house and then have parents too that we have to assist and help. It's important for us to love everyone and care for each other. Matthew chapter 15 says this. Matthew 15 verse 3, Jesus replied, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? He's, he's dealing with the Pharisees and some of the leaders, teachers of law, su such like that. And, and uh, we understand their, their traditions were mainly oral traditions about the law, about the Old Testament. 
uh, that were later written down. So we know that. But in verse 4, he goes on to say, uh, For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. <laughs> That's a tough one, right? I've had people ask me, they say, well, well, what is it that you've done is so bad? I'm like, I deserve death. Anybody that rebelled against their parent, according to the Old Testament, not under the New Testament, we understand that grace of God stands firm, but that's what we deserved. And that, that's a serious reminder and what that, what that means there when he said anyone who curses, it, it actually means in the original speaking evil of them. I'm not saying I do that now, okay? <laughs> Just so you understand. Uh, but, but that's but something we have to consider. Now he goes on in the next verse. He says, but you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God because we're holy. And so then he goes and says, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. So Jesus dealt with this issue where uh, it, was a, it was a problem, and greed could keep a son from, uh, from doing his duty of uh, taking care of his family uh, by simply declaring that the goods or money that may, he may have uh, kind of saved up to help his parents later on, that he's going to take that and uh, give it to the temple, G give it to God. So everybody would say, oh, wow, that guy's right on the money. They know what they're doing, but but here in reality, what they're doing is withholding it from their parents. They just wanted to look good. So adult children could uh, vow this gift to God that really showed that they cared. But you know, they had, they had set this, uh, this uh, honorable thing to do aside to help, uh, to, to help them out. And then they said, well, yeah, no, I don't, I'm going to give it to God instead, Mom and Dad. I'm not going to give it to you to help you. It's a different world that they lived in in that time, and I understand that, but it should help us to pull out some principles and understand it. Our, our culture is different in some ways, and there's, we don't do it exactly the same way, but, but our culture uh, looks different in, in America because we're ruggedly individualistic usually. So parents tend to be in the United States, not always, tend to be very ruggedly individualistic. And the kids, they, they've trained their kids, and so they tend to be ruggedly individualistic. And so you kind of have to work through that as you relate to parents and as parents relate to their adult kids and work through those details, showing love and care and concern, right? Those things are important. They're very important. And, and it doesn't stop when you turn 18, right? It keeps on going through a lifetime. And so as a family, you have to understand the principles of God's word. You have to find an appropriate way to show honor, to show care to your family members. We've looked at titles. We, 
that we hold and your role even as a child and such. But, but let's look at sibling rivalry. Sibling rivalry is another thing, too. That, that's always the fun run, right? Everybody enjoys that one. But, uh, but, but this, is a, this is that competition, that jealousy, and even the fighting that happens between brothers and sisters and all the things that goes along there. And, and, and often it starts with the birth of the second child, right? We, we've all seen that. When the second child comes along, the first child's like, wait a minute, who... Who, who made you boss? I'm the boss here, you know. That, that's the way they're viewing it in some sense. And now you got this Johnny come lately here. And so, so the, the, this rivalry starts up, and it, it can even frustrate parents as well as the kid, right? And, and working things out with siblings gives kids a chance to develop skills like cooperating and being able to see other, other person's point of view. To see someone else's point of view, it's so important for us to be able to try to help our kids with those kind of things in the day and world we live at. Because look at where we are. Look at all the crazy world that we're in and all the fighting. Some of that probably could have been taken care of in the home before. But sometimes there's some real challenges that come along. See, this rivalry may be carried into adulthood, and many times it is, isn't it? And in fact, we, we all know because we come from families and we realize that sometimes it's carried into adulthood with some people more than others. Some families ha, ha, don't have much issue with that and others do have a, a bigger challenge with that and dealing with that and the competition that comes along with that. And, and so we find some serious sibling rivalry in the Old Testament with Jacob and his sons. And we, and we see it there in Genesis chapter 37. In verse 3, it says this in Genesis 37. Now Israel, whose Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. So in that beginning, we kind of see why his uh, son Joseph was so endeared to him. He's like, hey, this is the miracle child, you know. Uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm an older person, and now I have a kid, and that's really cool, and he's probably mellowed a little bit by this time, and so he, he's thinking how, how, how he loves this kid, so he makes a, the coat of many colors, and it's like, you get the best of everything. Uh, his brothers weren't too happy about it. Let's look on it. He goes on and says, verse 4, he says, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph, and that's what I like about the Bible because it doesn't pull any punches. It says it how it was. And it goes on, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, uh-oh, they, they hated him all the more, and he said to them, listen to this dream. Listen to this dream I had. We were, we were binding sheaves. You know, sheaves are just, you put a bunch of grain together and it stands tall and you bind it up, you wrap it up, and they stand it up. And uh, so they were doing all of that in this dream. And, uh, and, and he says, uh, they gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, they knew exactly what he was saying. Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Well, it's like, you know, Reuben, the firstborn, he's probably there saying, hey, wait a second, I'm the firstborn. Uh, you guys are all in line after me, but I'm the firstborn, so the birthright comes to me, not to you guys. 
It's not you guys. And so here, what, what can a parent do to reduce sibling rivalry? Looks like Jacob kind of had some challenges here in how he handled it, but God, we know God was working in the situation. We know that. Uh, but, but what can parents do? We have to learn some things from Jacob maybe. Uh, and the first one is, is, is you can't play favorites. You just have to be careful. As a parent, you just can't play favorites. When you do, you're setting the family up for some real uh, problems. And uh, we can see it was a problem in Genesis. And even though each kid had, had strengths and weaknesses, uh, don't play off those in a negative way. One of the second things we see there, even as adults, right? It really goes even for as you're, you're a, a parent of adult children, really it's the same way. You have to be careful on those kind of things. And, and don't say, don't tell your kids, your sister gets good, grade, good grades in biology. So what's happened to you? You've you got you to be careful on those kind of things. Why? Because it, it pits them against each other. It's one of those things you've got to try to work on not to, not to allow that to happen. The third thing is to set your kids up to work together rather than compete. You know, if you're going to have them race the clock, race the clock, but don't race each other in that kind of situation to try to prevent them from, uh, from really being pitted against each other and try to treat them as equally as you could and uh, because you don't want to cause problems among the kids because it can go right into adulthood. See, Joseph, he didn't seem to use great, the greatest discretion there when the Lord gave him the dream and showed him that his brothers were going to bow down to him. Uh, he probably should have left that one on the shelf, right? Sometimes the Lord gives us some things and we have to wait for the timing and we have to pray and say, God, what do you want to do about this? And, uh, but, but that's not what he does. He goes on and tells his brothers, and really it serves things up even worse, and they're, they're really mad. They, they are not very happy at all with him. And, and so uh, they, were, they were already frustrated because the way their dad had treated him better. Uh, but now, now it says they, they hated him all the more, but his brothers were done. And they decided, we're burning that bridge. <laughs> and that's what they did, right? They go, they take him, they throw him in a cistern. It's like, let's, let's get rid of this guy. And, and, uh, they, they, and then they ended up selling him off to some wanderer as a servant. And look at what it says in Genesis chapter 37 there. 37 verse 29. It says, when Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. That, that's their sign of grief. It's like, this is bad. And, and in verse 30, he says, he went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? This guy, he's the firstborn. He's the one that's responsible. And, and, uh, and so now he's concerned for Joseph himself, probably worried about what his dad is going to say. And his dad's going to say, look, you're the responsible one. All the rest of the kids are with you. All the rest of the guys are with you. But what is the deal here? And, and so here, here, are some, here are some things to work through sibling rivalry. And these, some of these are basic. The first one is just simply give honor and respect. Remember, that's how we started this series out in some sense. Give honor and respect to others. It goes... Uh, it, this goes in, it, well in any relationship, just as Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
suggest ways that you can you and your siblings can have an equal or mutual relationship one that shows respect and honor to uh, to each other and you have to be able to set those boundaries based on your agreement that is not always an easy thing to do but the sooner we do that the easier it is and we all we probably all of us have been through those things where we see that we see where it doesn't work because we haven't done things well or maybe a person isn't willing to work through those things. So the second thing there is to, to set agreeable boundaries. Those boundaries are important. You, you may form some boundaries by saying that you can, uh, you can come into my room as long as you knock, right? You can knock. Or, or you can wear my shirt as long as you take a shower, stinky person. Uh, I mean, you know, the, you could set those things uh, in, in, in order there and have those boundaries there. But boundaries aren't only physical. You could say, you know what, I'm going to interact with you. And some may wonder about this. You, I'll interact with you if there's no yelling and no name calling. So the question is, is that appropriate when you have a, 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 an adult sibling even? And they're going to cuss you out and call you names and say, okay, is it appropriate to walk away? You can. If you, have, you set boundaries there, if they start going over the line, and if you have an agreement, there may be a time that you have to say, I'm sorry, I have to step away. Because these were the boundaries that were supposed to go by. Yeah, so sometimes you have to be able to do those kind of things. And another, one of those things is, another thing is listen well. This, this is a skill we all have to work at, right? We all have to work at this skill of listening, trying to pay attention to the other person. Can Jody say amen? Yeah, I have, to, I have to work on that, right? Listen, each one of these, we all have to work at. And good communication is important, especially among siblings. And good listening is something that includes uh, to set aside distractions. Uh, you know, that can be anything. A distraction could be we, we're eating a McDonald's milkshake. I don't know. Or it could be your phone or something else that's in your way or your, your magazine or whatever. But, but we have to set some things aside and then stop thinking about what you want to say if you're going to work through sibling rivalry. And that's another thing that can, we can try to think on what we want to say while we're interacting with them and listening to them. So, so many different things. But the, another one is this, be honest and share respect. That, that is always important. Be honest and share respectfully. So speak honestly while being kind. Our world has a problem with that now. Our world has, and we have to be careful that we don't pick that up either because we live in this culture. We live in this culture, and so we have to watch out. Just because you shoot straight doesn't mean you have to be hurtful in shooting straight. So constructive criticism shows uh, consideration for other people's feelings and invites their suggestions and cooperation in. So the, the, it's, it's important for interaction, right? Giving that other person an opportunity and interact. And when you can't figure out how to criticize something or someone constructively, really something, but the wisest course is to keep your mouth shut until you figure out how to do it, right? <laughs> we all have to have those times uh, where we need a quiet time as an adult. We, we need those quiet times, right? And we just have to say, wait a second. I have to, I have to hold on. Keep in mind that no relationship is perfect. It's just a reality. 
I, I wish we could say it was, but no, it, we live in a fallen world and no relationship is perfect. Another thing here is to ask for and to offer forgiveness to the other person. Ask for forgiveness from them and then offer forgiveness uh, to them as well. It's so, so important. And, and, and we understand that there's times that, uh, as Paul talks about, be at peace as far as it is up to you. As long as you can be at peace, you do that. And sometimes uh, others won't allow for that. You just have to keep moving. But do, try to be peaceful. Joseph learned and applied this in Genesis after his brothers sold him off. I could not believe what that would be like. Could you imagine what that would be like for him? Total, total rejection. His dad loved him, but all his brothers totally rejected him. From what he understood, threw him in a cistern. Then this, uh, a wanderer comes by and he said, hey, let's get some cash off this dude. And, and so they sold him. For goodness sake, they sold him. Could you imagine what that would be like? Oh, my goodness. And here's what Jesus said, his take on forgiveness. He said in Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38, he says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So it's kind of a reminder for us when it comes to forgiveness how important if we want forgiveness, we should forgive others. And that's tough. And usually the people that hurt us the most, right, are the ones that are closest to us. And that's just a reality in life. We have to learn how to walk through that and to offer forgiveness. We have to ask for forgiveness and we have to offer it as well. The fourth thing is this. The fourth and final thing is this. God's perspective in your title what is his how does he view your title each title uh, each title can can really uh, can destroy selfishness it can it can really destroy selfishness it, uh, if it's a dad a niece a brother a son a granddaughter a sister doesn't matter what title it is but we have uh, that we have it pushes us towards selflessness it pushes us towards that. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, uh, it, it says this, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Wow, we don't like that one. Honor one another above yourselves. That's uh, such a powerful statement uh, that the Apostle Paul writes there in Romans and if you're called into a title, you are called to become selfless. And it's a process, right? Some people are more prone uh, to be selfless in the way they relate to others. Some people are more prone to be more of a servant than others. And the rest of us have to work at it severely <laughs> or seriously. We have to be able to work at that, right? We have to be able to be those who are willing to serve. And so then we see this also about our titles. Grow into your title or you could lose it. 
See, King Saul was really one of those that we could see in the Old Testament who, who had a title, had a, a title of kingship, and he was called to be a king, but God called him to be a king, but because he chose to ignore God's directions, he lost his title. He lost it, and then we know that King David came in, but it, you know, it didn't have to be that way. Really, King David still could have been a king later on, uh, he, he could have been a king, and, and Saul could have kept rolling down the pipeline and, and, and keep living and doing what he should have done, and then King David could have taken over in time, but, but it didn't work that way. He lost his title. And another one is we're called to serve, to train, and to build the spiritual and vocational in our kids and our young people. You know, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 tells us this. Uh, it, it says, fathers, do not uh, exasperate your children. In, uh, instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. See, we know that this kind of instruction helps our kids learn a solid moral foundation so that they can be strong and healthy spiritually. And if we don't train them, somebody else will train them, right? It will happen, whether it's, whether it's peers or whether it's at school uh, whether it's at a, at a job, those kind of things. But parents can even help a young adult child think through their career possibilities or think through life and, and things to try to be able to live out what God has for them. Don't withhold what your title demands of you. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, Paul is writing about relationships, and he says, Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. We understand that titles have different roles uh, that go with them, and make sure that you treat others around you fairly. Make sure that you treat one another well. And so we know that the fatherless fatherlessness harms our culture. We know how it affects us, but, but God and his people can work their best to fill those voids, to do the best to fill that title. In, in Psalm 68, verse 5, it tells us that God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, to us. So as we, as we wrap this up this morning, as we, as we conclude this, remember that some titles are given to us. It's something that we receive not by choice on our own. Uh, you don't become an aunt or uncle because of your choice. That's a, a, another's. But, but then we also have uh, those, uh, uh, those that, are get, that are chosen by us. That each one comes with its own set of privileges and responsibilities. Whenever I get a text from one of my nephews, I want to make sure I respond to them, right, when I, when I interact with them. And through Scripture, we, we've seen those who have made some real relationship, relational mistakes and others who respond better than others. But no matter if it was you or others uh, that have made some of those mistakes, be willing to forgive and then move on. It's a process that we all have to walk through, and it reminds me of this one scripture that it's such a powerful word to us once we've messed up and once we've made mistakes. And it comes from the Apostle Paul out of Romans chapter 8, and verse 1. And he says, Therefore, there is no now, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
that there's no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. We turn our life over to him. We turn, ask for forgiveness. We offer forgiveness. And then we have to be willing to move on. Amen? Be willing to be a person who will take the title that you are given or uh, chosen and work at becoming the best you can become. Not saying we're going to be perfect, but we're going to strive for that perfection. We're We're going to work towards being who God wants us to be and be willing to learn to become who God has called you to be. Everyone makes mistakes, we understand, but be willing to get up, move forward in faith, in your relationships and friendships and in your families. Maybe today is a day you need to call a truce. I don't know. Maybe today is a day you need to say, hey, we need to make this right. Or maybe you say, I need to make this right. I'm not sure what your situation is in that. But let me pray for you this morning. And listen, strive to be those who follow Jesus to a level that impacts our relationships those around us. Father, I pray that, Father, you would help each and every person here under the sound of my voice, Lord, whether they be online or with us here in person. Father, I pray that you would touch their life. And, Father, for some, you know the pain that is there and it's time for them to call a truce. It's time for them to offer something, to offer forgiveness or offer a kind word. Father, I pray that you would help each one of them. Father, for those that are struggling and they know there's this situation in front of them and they they, they say, God, I need your help with that. Father, I ask you to help them. I ask you to help them to put into the words that they need to say so that they can work through these things. Father, I pray that you would strengthen each and every one of us to become stronger so that we may be better wives and husbands, that we may be better uh, uh, dads or moms, that we may be better grandparents, Lord, that we may maybe a better aunt or uncle, Lord. Father, that we may even be a better sibling. Father, help us to be able to be those people that not push others apart, but, Father, to bring others together. Help us, Lord, because we need your help today. And we entrust ourselves into your hands in Jesus' name.